Good morning, Faithers. My name is Eric Brown. Um, my wife, Lori, is sitting in sixth row back. We've been coming to Faith for about six years. We became members two years ago, and roughly, and some of you may be thinking, well, goodness, six years? We've, we don't even recognize you. We've been here, going here for twice as long as that. Who are you? Well, the reason why I haven't been a faithful attender is I'm a missionary with an organization called Word of Life. Uh, my, my job for the past 15 years is to spend time with churches all over northern New England. I have the opportunity to encourage pastors, youth groups, and serve the local church in any way that I can. Um, it's a thrilling ministry to be able to be involved with. Um, and every once in a while, as I, you know, probably once every couple of months, um, I have a chance to hang out at my home church, um, which I genuinely love doing. And I've got to tell you, um, from traveling around and just seeing so many different churches, if... You know, if you could just take my word for it, what I see out there, you need to be thankful for this body of believers. You need to be thankful for this church. It's a special place. The word of God is taught unashamedly. And it's awesome to see how the impact that faith has its goal to reach the community for Christ. So uh, just a little bit about me. And then I was just thinking about the, the men's uh, retreat that is uh, happening right now. And yes, I am another one of those guys that's stayed back. And, you know, living on the edge doesn't have to happen up north. I lived on the edge yesterday. I weed-whacked with shorts on. And, yeah, and the, the men know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you weed-whack with shorts on, you're taking your life into your own hands, especially if you have an aggressive little two-stroke weed-whacker. You draw in blood, dripping down. Anyway, so I'm, I'm ex- as extreme as they get, for sure. Well, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about this morning, and, and it does come from uh, traveling around and, and seeing different approaches that, that churches take with the word ministry. And I, even today already we've heard the word ministry used, and I love the ministries here at Faith. But it's interesting to me that as I travel around, that word ministry uh, can really assume a definition that was never intended uh, for it to assume. Uh, I ironically have discovered that there are so many times when we have a ministry fraternity or sorority or maternity. No, I was going to maternity. It's just sorority and fraternity. But that's so many times in churches what it becomes is, have you ever seen those videos or maybe even attended like a first day orientation for college? And so there's tables set up everywhere and then people are walking through and, and you have someone over from this club here saying, listen, sign up for this. Maybe it's a fraternity or maybe it's just a club. Maybe it's a book reading club. And you, you know, so they pick up a couple of brochures. They go a little bit further and there's another, another club, another, uh, fraternity or sorority, if you will. And it just goes on and on and on. It's interesting. Sometimes in our churches, I know that people have the view that, okay, you know what? I'm a part of this body of believers. And now there's so many great clubs to get into. We got over here, Mrs. Johnson wants me to, and there's no Mrs. Johnson over here, is there? Okay, I just made it up. So we, Mrs. Johnson wants me to help out with the nursery. Okay, I got a brochure. That's pretty, she's really nice. And then a little bit further, oh, John wants me to help up with the maintenance ground. Okay. So you're getting this little, you're getting the, the, the imagery holding more little baggies, maybe little perks, maybe you get a pen. You know, a pen that actually says, you know, the nursery, the teacher honor or something like that. And before you know it, you're, you're looking at all these ideas of ministry and you're like, okay, so I guess it's just joining a club. Now I know that that isn't a blanket statement for all of us here. Um, but can I tell you that so many times, even the, the most seasoned followers of Christ can get stuck into the word ministry. So what does that mean for you and I when we when we see and maybe have a, a wrong perception of what the word ministry actually is? 
Can I tell you that once again it seems that God has it covered? To remind you and I what ministry is really all about. Sometimes the word ministry is scary. We think full-time ministry. Oh, goodness. Full-time ministry, drawing a paycheck, huh? Part-time ministry, not drawing a big paycheck, but still drawing a paycheck. Well, I don't want to get involved in youth ministry. I wonder, does that mean I have to speak every time? Does that mean that I have to be the one that always is the front person? It's, it is amazing to me the thought process that goes into so many people's minds as they hear the word ministry. So would you be willing just for the next few moments, it's going to be more than a few moments, it's going to be a few times several, that we just focus on Christ's method of ministry. I, I believe that there is something in God's word that is so is such a beautiful reminder, and we get to see every aspect of Christ's method of ministry then, as well as what it means for us today. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for some time. Maybe you've you've been here at faith for a long time, and you and you are involved in a ministry. I was looking on the um, faith faith's web page, even um, first impressions ministry that Randy was just talking about. Where did Randy go? He's he's way back there, right? Um, so you know, lots of awesome ministries, but maybe. Maybe you be you, you may be thinking, you know what, I, th- that ministry, that, that seems like a daunting thing. I, I don't think I have what it takes. Well, I want to tell you that Christ has a method of ministry. And after we share, after I, I share from God's word this morning, I'm hoping that you'll see that in everything that you do as it relates to being a follower of Christ, and if you're involved in a ministry, that these things come into play. Maybe you're here today and the idea of ministry isn't just foreign. The idea of a follower of Christ is foreign. Today I'm going to be talking about the woman at the well. And some of you seasoned followers are saying, you know what? I've heard that story so many times. I, I know it, you know, I know it front and back, top and bottom. But there is something so precious in this story. And maybe today you are not a follower of Christ. And you're going to hear how there was a woman that encountered a very real Jesus Christ at a well. And it changed her life. I'm praying that that is, if, if that's you and you do not know Christ, that today is the day that your eternal destiny is changed forever because of that encounter. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that as we open your word, Father, that once again I would be out of the way. Father, that everything I say would bring honor and glory to you. For you alone are worthy. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The word ministry can be daunting. Let's, uh, John 4, verse 1, if you have your Bibles. Again, we're talking about Christ's method of ministry. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. I'm going to be giving eight points Eight points, and they're really simple points that you and I can use to identify what ministry looks like. So here's my first one. Recognize the responsibility. Recognize the responsibility. You see, Christ knew where ministry was waiting. Can I tell you this morning that sometimes ministry for you and I is not in the established place? It's not in the way that we think that it would be coming. The story, perhaps you're very familiar with uh, Samaria and the Jews. Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. Galilee is several miles north of Judea. 
The established route between the two was to the east along the path of the Jordan River, which takes you straight to the Sea of Galilee. However, Jesus does not take the established route. He instead chooses to take a westerly route through Samaria. And this is something that Jews did not do. Jews are simply, quote-unquote, too good to travel through a Gentile dog ghetto like Samaria. But Jesus says he had to go through Samaria. Talk about against cultural norms. Can I ask, what is your comfort zone and mine this morning? Sometimes the approach that you and I take is as long as it crosses our path, as long as God makes it easy for me to minister, I'll do it. Jesus did not take that approach. Are you waiting for that thing to happen automatically where you can start building relationships of influence with someone and possibly point them to Christ? You're waiting for it just to happen. Sometimes it's not going to happen if you don't leave your house. <laughs> Let's go on. John 4, verse 5. These first few are going to be rather fast in the ends. Uh, the, the last few points I'm going to spend a little bit more time on. Verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Verse 8 says, His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Here's the second point. Engage. Engage. Just six words here, depending on which translation you read. Will you give me to drink? And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have the start of a relationship. We have a start of a relationship. You see... Meeting her where she was at was certainly against cultural norms. What did he do? He found common ground. And I think of the ministries that you may already be involved with, whether, again, I'm thinking first impressions ministry because it was just, just mentioned. Do you realize that every one of these points you're going to see play out in, in any ministry that you are involved with and it works? Found common ground. She was drawing water. He wanted water. Do you and I genuinely look to find common ground with the people that we encounter? It takes so little. Have you ever been at that gas station where you made the precious mistake of saying, how was your day to the gas attendant? And the next time you come back, you find that the gas attendant remembers not only your question, but for some reason wants to tell you his or her life story in five minutes. Common ground. You need gas. He or she's pumping gas. It starts. It can start so easily. And I wonder how many times we're actually looking for that opportunity for common ground. I love how Jesus didn't start the encounter with, I am Alpha and Omega. He didn't do that. Have you ever seen someone that starts their talk about Christ? He is magnificent. He is all in all. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times when that's the, that's the modus operandi, that's, that will work, but it, it's not when you run into someone at a gas station. <laughs> I love how he didn't start with, I am he, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. It was all true. But look at this delicate and deliberate approach that he's taking. How about you and I? We need to be careful that we don't bash them over the head with who Christ is. Let's go on. Verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 9. 
Hence the reading glasses. There we go. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with uh, Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Here's my next point for you note takers. Progress. Move forward. You see, Jesus didn't just meet the woman at the well and stop. Can you imagine what it would have been like if he asked her for a drink and she gives it to him and he just sits there? Maybe you can hear a cricket chirping right about now. Wouldn't that have been, wouldn't that have been amazing to, if he didn't do anything else, just ask for a drink? Hey, I met her where she was at. Do you know that there is a, there is a big movement all over the world. Biggest thing is to meet people where they're at. Oh, I believe it's very important to meet them where they're at. But if we don't move on from there, what have we done? I remember I was, I had a, a teenager I was working with years ago and just, just a, a rough life, difficult time. But for some reason he didn't mind hanging around me and I didn't mind hanging around him. And so I, I was working with him and I was just listening to him talk and and I was being very careful. I was being very careful about what I was saying and how I was saying it. I wanted to be sensitive, and I, I wanted to. I, I didn't want to scare him away. And I remember one time, after maybe uh, probably a year and a half or two two years of just going back and forth, me saying, "Listen, you know, if you if you don't mind, I'd like to give you my." And he before he even I even finished, he said, "Yes, I want your opinion." That's what I've been waiting for. I want to know your thoughts. Was there something you wanted to say? I think there's so many times you've got my attention. You've built a relationship with me. You found common ground. You've got my attention. Is there something you wanted to tell me? And you picture the woman at the well after that silence, just looking and saying, okay, you know, if he didn't do anything, you got my attention. You already took the route that nobody else takes. You've, you've spoken with me more than most people like you would have. You've got my attention. Is there something you wanted to tell me? Maybe the Holy Spirit right now is bringing someone up to your mind, your heart, that you're right there with. They're watching you and I, and they're waiting for us to take that. You've got my attention. Enough with the pleasantries already. Yes, we've met them where they're at, but are we going to progress or move forward? Our ministry is, whether we're ministering with a child, a teen, or adult with relationships, then what do we do after we, after you, if you will, we build that relationship, we find common ground. What do we do next? Let's go on. Verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Here's my fourth point. Be patient. Be patient. 
Do you notice this progression that Jesus is taking from temporal to eternal, from outward to inward, the back and forth? Was she getting it? She was not getting it. It said the lights were flashing, the gate was down, but there was no train coming. She just couldn't understand. I picture her clutching that water jar. Here's a question for you and I. When would you and I walk away from this woman? When would we write her off and say she's just not getting it? Are we ready for those objections, even if they don't make sense? Maybe finding out whether they're a genuine skeptic or a, or a habitually negative cynic. Let's go on, verse 16. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. Here it comes. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Here's my fifth point. Be persistent. Be persistent. I love how one commentator brings it. He says, now he begins to focus on her need for a redeemer. Now proceeding to arouse her slumbering conscience by laying bare the guilty life she was leading and the by the minute details which that life furnished, not only bringing her sin vividly up before her, but preparing her to receive in his true character that wonderful stranger to whom her whole life in its minutest particulars evidently lay open. You see, my friends, if she was not lost and a sinner and recognized that, she would have no need for a redeemer. You don't need to be found if you don't realize that you're lost. I should say you don't think that you need to be found. You're still lost. Our focus in ministry is to help those who don't know to know. You and I, if we're followers of Christ, is to, is to help those who don't know Him to know Him. And then, in the ministry and the fellowship of believers, is to help those sometimes who know Him, but don't really get it. They're baby Christians, maybe. They're baby followers, and we see them, and maybe by the grace of God, we've been followers of Christ for a long time, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're super good at it. So people will say, you know what, it doesn't matter how long you play the game of golf. Are you any good at it? Some people have played game, uh, the game of golf for a long time and they're not any good at it. I'm just raising my hand. It's my back. Yes, that's me. But I have gotten it through the windmill a few times and I'm getting better. And the clown throws me off at the end, a little freaky. That's ministry. So here we go. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Uh Uh-oh. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Here's my sixth point. Sorry, it's a little bit wordy. It's six words. Anticipate the diversion and then refocus She was certainly uncomfortable with the fact that this quote-unquote man knew about her. You see her sidestep there. Have you ever seen those times when maybe as a parent you say, 
Johnny, I saw what you did. And Johnny says, yes, but did you see what Sally did? Anybody, anybody else? It was just me and my kids and my dear. Somebody. Okay, yeah, it's this, this classical deflection. I see part of that happening here. Are we ready? Are we looking? But sometimes it can be the most random thing that throws us off. I Have you ever had those times, if you're a follower of Christ, and you, you're talking to someone about what it means to, to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, and you think that they're tracking with you, and this is good, you've worked up hard, and then they lean over to the ta- over across the table, you know, having coffee, and they say, you know what really, really makes bothers me? And you're like, what? You think this is it? How come... Sometimes they have prayer meeting on Wednesday nights versus Thursday nights. And you're like, no, I've, have you ever had that complete, the last thing you thought, and it was a big deal to them. It was like, you know, talk about a, a diversion. This is a, I have no idea what to do with that. Are we, are we expecting that? We should be. We should be. She still is not tracking. The woman at the well, she's still not tracking. And Jesus is hanging in there. He's not giving up. Maybe you're thinking about someone different now. Maybe someone that you've tried to build a relationship of influence and you don't think it's going well. You think that that, that Christ's method of ministry as you're carrying it out, you may not even realize what it's looked like, but you're doing it. And it's not panning out. You just keep getting these redirects. You don't know how to deal with them. That's it. I'm done. I, I, he's not getting it. She's not getting it. Can we lovingly refocus their attention on their need for a relationship or in case of a believer for a deeper relationship? That's ministry. Christ stayed on track. Let's go on. Verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Gets me excited too. Seventh point, set the hook. Any fishers, fishermen in here, fisherwomen, fisher kids? People that like to throw lines in the water and just sit there with a little hyper bobber. Okay, I see some. I love fishing for striped bass. I always, any other, really, stripe, stripe, they're in this year. They were running strong. I see that. I love fishing. I love fishing for striped bass. And let me tell you, I have learned something about striped bass. They are a, they can be in salt water. They can be fresh water. They've got lips like rubber tires. And I can be fishing aggressively and I, I mean, they're running all around me and I, I tell you what, I'll be reeling in and all of a sudden, I mean, I want to get that beyond 30 inches. You know, I want to get what they call it a hog or a pig. I want to, I want one of those. And so I do a hook set and I'm just, I'm already envisioning what this fish is going to look like in my tummy and then mounted if I take care of it right. And I'm, I mean, it's, and I am just excited. I can't wait to reach. I'm, and it gets three feet from the boat. And what does it do? It just lets go. And you're like, I thought what we had was special. I thought, I thought we had an understanding. I, I set the hook. I thought that this was a done deal. And I gotta tell you, years after experiencing that and learning that you've gotta do a telephone pole hook set on these bad boys, 
I took my son out. He was probably nine, maybe at the time, Whaleboat Island. And he, he experienced my frustration as he lost seven in a row. We were fishing from a canoe and there's no shame in crying. We both cried just to see that. But you know, and this is, this is, when I say set the hook, I want to kind of, let's leave the imagery of the bloody treble hook that's waiting that you have to fish out. I'm going to leave that imagery. But you and I, we may have that relationship of influence. We may be working on it. But there's going to come a time when you need to set the hook. You may have them coming right to you. And that's the other thing about striped bass. They have this way of trying to beat the hook to its destination. I'm convinced they know, and so they're like, you know what? If he's pulling me that fast, I'm just going to go as fast as I can. I'll beat the line to the boat, and I'll just spit out the lure. Sometimes we think that we've got them coming towards us, this relationship of influence, and we've ministered, and we've taken time, we've prayed for, we've taken great pains, we've done everything that's here listed in Christ's method of ministry. And they get right near the boat, and we never had anything more than a warm, fuzzy relationship with them. Has that ever happened to you? You thought that what you had was special. You thought that you had made more of an impact, but you never set the hook. And there's going to come a time. Listen, I don't know what else to tell you. I can only tell you that he's changed my life. and His name is God through the power of his son. Are you thinking of someone right now maybe that you have not set the hook with? I do every time. I think of someone that I'm just, I haven't set that hook right. I keep thinking about, is there someone that you need to say, I've I've just got to tell you. The reason why my, my marriage has recovered, the reason why that, that I am here outside of this addiction, the reason why it's because of him. I who speak to you am he. Verse 27 says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, What do you want or why are you talking with her? My friends, this next part is the whole point of Christ's method of ministry. John 4.28 Right there, Then leaving her What does it say? Then leaving her water jar. This is one of those passages that I was so familiar with, you know, growing up. I grew up in a Christian home. I, you know, I remember donning a tie before I donned a bib in the church. You know, I I mean, I just, I grew up and and I, I heard the story, but then I was, I was studying this and then those words jumped out. Then leaving her water jar. The woman had come to draw water. It says she at last, it, 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 she at last comprehends who he is. I picture her with that water. Remember that thing that she was not associating with him. It was H2O and she was not getting it. She was clutching. This is what she was here for. And I picture as she starts to make these, these understandings, this correlation, she's looking at it. She puts the water. So she leaves. My friends, your ministry and mine as followers of Christ is to get that moment with others. They're not tracking. We, we try, we pray with God's help. We minister to them. 
But isn't it amazing when you have that opportunity, when you see your person, your friend put down the water jar because it's not that big of a deal? That's ministry. That happens in every one of the ministries that are listed on the faith website. Every ministry is, if you think about it, and you that are involved with them, you you see these things playing out. It's about building relationships, finding common ground, getting people to realize that what they thought was a huge deal is not a big deal compared to him. I find it interesting that you and I as followers of Christ, we still have our water jars. We still have our jars of water, things that we think are a big deal. Sometimes they seem so innocent. It could be our careers. It could be making money. It could be time. It could be possessions. You you never know. And sometimes we'll put that water jar down, but we'll pick it back up and we'll lug it around. What is your water jar this morning? What is the thing that you maybe picked back up? You didn't even realize, or maybe you're thinking now this isn't as big of a deal. Maybe it's something that the Holy Spirit right now, if you're his child, is pointing out to you. She at last comprehends who he is. I wrote, she leaves the earthen vessel and picks up the eternal cistern. Whether to the lost or to the uh, those who are newly found and need to grow, this is our goal. This is why you and I are here for followers of Christ in this body of believers. So others can make the disconnect from this world and then reconnect to him. Let's go on. Last point, verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. My eighth point, anticipate increased ministry opportunity. Are you ready? Whether collective ministries and churches or whether individual. You see what happens in verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, which she said, he told me everything I ever did. This one woman who had the encounter with Almighty God, she went into town. She went back and she said, listen, there's something going on here. I, this, this, this could be this is Messiah. I think we're sure. And she brought a plethora of people back with her to Christ. And he had to stay there longer because of the increased ministry opportunity. Why? Was it because of a program? Was it because of some magic words? No, it was because his method of ministry played out from that one woman. Relationship of one led to a relationship of many. If I were to say right now that each one of you had to go out today and minister to 150 people, encourage them somehow, that's a daunting task. But if I were to say one, could you find common ground with one? Is there someone that maybe has just become a follower of Christ not too long ago, maybe in your family, maybe outside your family, maybe at your job, maybe in your neighborhood, that you can start to find common ground and then go through his method of ministry? You see, this is nothing, this is nothing that man has created. And I think so many times, I know so many times in our personal lives, we can get stuck trying to reinvent the wheel. We're well-intentioned people, especially here in Maine, eh? Huh? We can get anything done by sheer brute strength. God just says, listen, don't, don't reinvent the wheel. I've got it right here. I've got, got you covered. Just, just follow, just follow my word. I'll show you what it looks like. And look what happens. You don't even have to worry about the numbers. I'll take care of that. You see what he says in verse 42. So all the people come back. 
I mean, more people. And then they said to the woman, the ones that came back said, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You know what that verse does for me? It takes the pressure off me saving anyone. I can't save anybody. I remember when I was just a, I was seven or eight years old, I remember talking to a friend of mine about Christ, and he trusted Christ. He said a prayer, and I ran home. Dad, I saved Johnny. We can't save a goldfish on our best day. That's way outside of our pay grade. And I see what I see here is the woman didn't save anyone. She was just faithful. She just told. She just talked about. And they came and heard him for themselves. Isn't that what the method of ministry, isn't that Christ's method of ministry? Just, just go. Just, just follow me. It seems he wasn't focused on programs. He says, listen, just follow me. By the way, quick freebie. Volunteers. I, I love volunteers. You know, about this time every year, churches start to have these, these talks from here. Hey, listen, from one of those ministries or one of those fraternity ministries. Um, and say, listen, we're looking for, and they say the V word. I know, and please don't, don't, don't shut me down right now, but listen, Jesus never looked for volunteers. He said, just follow me. You see, I picture a volunteer as someone who will show up and help you build your house, but then they're gone at the end of the day. Jesus says, just follow me. If you're my child, you're, you're my disciple. I, whether you help with the offering, whether you work in the sound booth, whether you, whether you greet at the door, you, you are my disciple. Follow me. You are a ministry servant. Not just a volunteer. Please, if you have a shirt at home that says volunteer, please don't, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying, can you see how the mindset can creep in? We're, we're not volunteers. If you're a child of God, you are a ministry servant. It's what we do. The ministry is church. Church is ministry. You don't, you can't just elect no in the box. You're like, well, I don't like working with youth. You don't have to work with youth. Well, I don't like standing in front of you. But you know what You got to do something though. And that's where a rightly focused church, we're focusing on what ministries are. It's the idea. We want to give you an opportunity to use your gifts like you are supposed to. Or serve until you find out what those gifts are. Just point them to Christ. Point them to Christ. Those relationships of influence. Have you set the hook? Maybe even today. I mean, it's a good day to go fishing. I think they've already run their back up in Massachusetts. But I mean, go today fishing Set the hook for that one you're building relationships with. Hey, listen, can I have coffee with you? I, I was I was talking to someone about this principle, and they and they were in a uh, beauty salon, and they had one of those big things over their head, and then there was someone next to them, and and every time that this this woman went in, she would hear this. It was a pastor's wife that told me this. I can't remember who it was, but they'd hear this this drama unfolding, and every time the drama was worse and worse. And this these you know the the what the pastor's wife was sitting there, and even what she could hear, she's blown away at this the horrificness of what this person's going through. Have you heard any situations like that? You all can think of them, can't you? Those things you're like, I don't know how they do it. And every time you're like, what, what am I going to hear today? And you go and it's even worse. Finally, she, she put the thing up. She goes, look, I'm sorry. Forgive me for intruding. But I've just got to tell you, Jesus is the answer. 
God can, can fix what is broken and make it new. I just got to tell you, I can't help but do it. Like Peter and John said, what do they say? They, they couldn't help but speak what they've seen and heard. They couldn't help it. I'm hoping that right now, for the power of the Holy Spirit, this, if you're a follower of Christ, you're thinking of someone. And as I close, maybe you're, uh, I mentioned earlier, maybe you are the woman at the well. Maybe today is your first encounter. Maybe you are standing at the well, just standing there trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe, just maybe, you are clutching onto that water jar, and it still looks like a very re- decent deal to you. This is what I'm about. Can I encourage you that the same way that the Christ's method of ministry to us as his followers, first and foremost, we had to have his ministry to us in our lives, his eternal ministry to us in our lives. And if you're here today and he's never, he, you've never acknowledged him or asked him to be Lord of your life, today could be your day. I'm going to be up here after. I'd love to talk to you. Again, if you're that person that's pondering what it means to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, what does it mean for Christ to have a ministry in my life? I would love to talk to you. If you join me standing as we close in prayer. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this precious time in the word. God, I thank you that your word is alive. Oh, Father, your the precious power and truth of the gospel can still move me to tears, the story, every time that I hear it, and I've heard it thousands of times, Father. I thank you that it never gets old. God, I just ask that you would help us to see those opportunities that you put in front of us. Help us to recognize the responsibilities, Father. Sometimes it's not going to come right across our path. God, forgive us for those times when we've taken ministry and made it a scary word, made it something that it was never intended to be. God, forgive us for those times when we operate merely merely as volunteers and we don't understand that as your children, Father, you have so much more for us, Father. God, we ask that you be with every aspect of the remainder of this service, Father, as we close in worship. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.